I got a short message today. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Don't say it too loud. No, you hurt my feelings. Um, one of the things about the book of Mark that we've been going through uh, for the past couple of weeks and will be going through for the next couple of months is that there's a lot of overlap with the book of Matthew. In fact, a lot of people believe that uh, they used a similar source uh, for a lot of the information uh, that they recorded in scripture. And so there's a lot of stories that line up and, and I've been trying to kind of plan to hit different stories and different teachings than I hit when we went through Matthew last year. Uh, but I deliberately picked this one to uh, preach on again because I think it's such a powerful and prophetic word that Jesus spoke about what the church would look like, and that's the parable of the sower. And uh, so we're going to go again. I'm not preaching the same message, though, I'll be honest. I was tempted to just use my notes. In fact, I was looking through my notes from Matthew. I'm like, this is still good. This will preach again. Uh, and none of, nobody will remember it. I'm pretty confident of that. Uh, I could totally get away with it, but I didn't do that. Um, we're going to come at it from a little bit different angle this morning. And before we read uh, the text this morning, I want to ask some questions that I want you to think about as we're reading through it. And I'm not looking for you to answer out loud when I ask these questions. Uh, I just want you to think about it, and I want every person in here to have the opportunity to think about it. So if you're one of those people that needs to answer the question and be right, and you always sit in the front row in class and, and you're like, right here, I know, I know, I know. Just, just settle down. You can write it down if you want. Uh, so that makes you feel better. You can show me afterwards that, hey, I, I had the answer right. Uh, but <laughs> whatever floats your boat, okay? Um, <laughs> in this parable, uh, Jesus talks about seed being scattered on four types of soil. And so here are the questions. First of all, what is the seed? The second one is, who is the sower? And the third one is, what is the miracle or what is the miraculous thing that's happening in this parable? And we're going to answer all those questions. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but not just yet, okay? So if you have a Bible, you want to turn with me to Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 9 is what we're going to read together this morning. And uh, there are some Bibles in the seat pockets in front of you, or you can look on your phone, or we're going to have it on the screen as well. But let's get in God's Word together and read it together this morning. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd beside the sea on the land. All right, now I love this uh, because, first of all, Jesus is uh, preaching from a boat, and that seems like a, a very um, Minnesotan thing to do. <laughs> but, but also, on top of that, what's funny here is he says, and he began to teach beside the sea, right? Mark didn't even need to say which sea it was because there's only one lake in the entire region. It's the Sea of Galilee, right? If he were in Minnesota, he would have to be a lot more specific. We got 10,000 of them here. Uh, but he's on the lake. He's teaching to the people. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seed, it fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, which did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, but since it had no... Uh, let me try that again. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. 
other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. Lord, I just uh, give you this time this morning. God, speak to our hearts, reveal the truth to us. And Lord, if, if there's something that needs to change inside of us, would you point that out by your Holy Spirit this morning? Lord, we want to be humble. We want to hear from your word today. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, let's, let's walk through those three questions this morning. First of all, what is the seed? Well, the seed is the word of God, right? And it's not a secret in this passage, but I want to be clear here. We're not talking about like the Bible, all right? Uh, this is, this, in fact, this book as we know it today did not exist when Jesus said that. They had the Old Testament scriptures, so they had the, the first two-thirds of what we have as our Bible today. But Jesus is not talking about the Bible here as the seed being sown. He's specifically talking about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is included in here, by the way. I'm not saying that this isn't anything good. I'm saying that that's not what he was referencing here. The gospel message, in fact, the Apostle John in his gospel says that Jesus is the word of God. That in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He's referencing Jesus here. So he's talking about himself. He's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He hasn't said that yet physically, but, but he's saying that, he's communicating that this seed, this message is the gospel message here. So um, the question is, do the principles in this passage apply to um, our time of study in the Word? If we read something in the Word and God speaks to us through that, uh, or maybe it's something that, that He speaks to us individually through our prayer time. God speaks to us. And, and you can apply these principles to this. Yes, it does apply. We don't have time to talk about that this morning, though. So we're going to focus on the message of the Gospel. You know, Martin Luther said something absolutely incredible. Uh, he said... We all need the gospel every day because we forget the gospel every day. Okay, think about that for a second, right? Every single one of us kind of has, has heard the gospel message at some point, and, and hopefully you're here in this room and you've responded to that message and you've received God's grace and his forgiveness, but the gospel isn't something that you hear one time and then you don't need it ever again. It's something you need every single day. Because it's something that if we don't keep it in the forefront of our attention, the truth of the message of the gospel that Jesus came to this earth and died for our sins so that we could be set free and rose again, that's the gospel message. And we need to keep that in our focus all the time because we will forget it if we don't. It's not just some cheap message that you hear once and are done with it. It's everything to us. It's our life. So the seed is the word of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second question is, who is the sower? Now, if we were in Sunday school, in kids' church, everyone would shout Jesus because Jesus is the answer to every question in Sunday school and kids' church, right? And technically, they would be right here because Jesus is the one that's sowing in this instance. He's the one that's preaching the gospel, so he's technically sowing himself. He's both the sower and the seed in this story, uh, but he's telling this to his followers 
because eventually they're going to be the ones that are also sowing the seed. So the answer to that question is, who is the sower? It's us. It's us. It's anyone that's sharing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are to be the sower, right? Yes, you're a plant first, but ultimately you should bear fruit and have your own seed to scatter as well. Now, um, most scholars and teachers and preachers will teach it this way. Um, I read a number of commentaries, and that's kind of the, the consensus, that Jesus was teaching his followers that, that they were ultimately going to be the ones to scatter this seed. Uh, I came across one preacher that said it differently. They said the Holy Spirit is the sower, and he's using my mouth to do it. Now, that sounds really cool and spiritual, but can I tell you what that is? It's an effort to make themselves seem more important, <laughs> that, that the words that are coming out of their mouth are infallible. Listen, there's nothing supernatural or miraculous about sowing seed. It's that God has given you the gospel message. He's put it in your heart. He's given you the truth, and he's called us all to do it. You don't have to have an anointing or a calling to spread that seed. You just have to do it because you're a believer, and that's what's inside of you, and that's who you are. It's a calling for all of us, for all of us who are disciples of Christ. It doesn't require any special skill. It doesn't require any special ability. Um, the scattering of the seed is not what makes it effective. There are two things that matter when it comes to the growth of the seed. Does the seed have viability? Is it a good seed? And we know that if it's the word of God, that it is a good seed and that it has potential for growth. And then the second thing is the soil that it lands into. Right? It doesn't matter who's sowing it. It matters that it's the word of God. That's why people get saved from corrupt uh, Bible teachers, from people who are, are not good preachers, who are not maybe even good people, but they're preaching the word of God, and it still has its effect, and people still get saved. It's incredible, right? You don't have to be a perfect human being to do what God has called you to do. Isn't that a relief? Right? It takes the pressure off of us. It means that we can bring our failures and our mistakes and our, uh, we can do it completely the wrong way. We can mess it up completely and it will still have good effect at times because the seed is good, because the word of God is true. So you are the sower. And the second thing is, or the third thing is, what is the miracle? What is the miracle that happens? You know, we can do a lot of things as human beings, but none of us can manually take a seed and somehow turn it into a plant, right? It's only God's work that does that. It happens naturally in nature, but it's only because God established that order. It's, it's really incredible if you think about it. You take a little seed, you stick it in dirt, throw some water on it, and now somehow it absorbs nutrients from the, from the ground, from the water, from the air, from the sunlight, and somehow it converts those things into matter and becomes a plant. I mean, none of us understand how that works. Even the most brilliant scientists, right? they, they have like names for this process and they talk about photosynthesis, but none of them really know how that works. They can't recreate that. It's only our God that really understands how it works. And that's the supernatural part. That's the Holy Spirit's role in this. 
Okay? So you scatter the seed, but God is the one that makes it grow. It's not us. It's not our, our scattering technique that makes it work. Right? It's the heart that receives it, whether it's fertile soil or not. And it's the Holy Spirit's work in their heart. It takes the pressure off of us. It also takes the credit away from us. And we need to be willing to say, hey, it's not about me. It's about his work. All right, now let's talk about the four soils. And, and I'm going to refer to them as hearts because that's really what Jesus is talking about here. Um, so each type of soil represents a different type of heart. And the first one is the path. And that's the hard heart. Now, I'm not going to take much time on this because we talked about it last week, right? We talked about what happens in our heart when we wander from God, when, when we fail to acknowledge uh, his presence, when, when we uh, allow ourselves to become bitter and hard-hearted. And we get to the point where nothing can penetrate us, where the, the truth of the gospel doesn't even have any effect on our lives anymore because we've hardened ourselves to such an extent we're like a, a concrete walkway. And so the seed lands on that concrete, and then what happens? The birds come, and they eat the seed. It never even has a chance to sink down in there and establish roots and grow. But can I give you a little bit of hope with that, too? Right? Now, we live in Minnesota, and one of the things that you realize is that concrete and pavement and stuff like that just does not last very long here, right? What happens is the ground gets cold and hot, and it shifts, and it... It causes things to break, and all it takes is one little crack for a jungle to start growing in your driveway. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. In fact, in our parking lot right now, every year we have to go and spray all the little cracks because if we do not, there will be plants this tall growing in our parking lot. And all it takes in a hard heart is one little crack. One little moment of weakness where they let their guard down and the gospel finds its way in. And that good seed can grow even in the hardest heart. And you know what? A stupid little plant can actually cause more cracking in that cement. Right? That's how powerful the word of God is. It's an incredible picture of the truth of the gospel. That it just takes one little fissure, one little crack in that hardened heart to potentially produce a result that will last. There's hope for the hard-hearted person. Second is the rocky soil. This is the shallow heart, the shallow heart. As a pastor, this is, this is a tough one for me because I see this so often. You watch somebody just have a real dramatic experience with God and they jump in head first. They're, they're at everything at church and they're excited and um, they start changing things about their life. Maybe they, they start listening to Christian music and uh, they, they, they do everything on the surface level and then something, some of the underlying issues in their life, maybe something needs to be addressed. Maybe it's a, a hardship that they go through. Maybe it's that they lose somebody or, or that they're just struggling with something in life. Maybe they have a difficult time at work. And because those underlying issues have yet to be addressed and their faith is still on the very surface level, one day they're just gone. It happens all the time. We see people and they're excited, passionate, and then the next day they just disappear. They don't return your, your phone call. They don't return your text message. Right? They, they just, they're gone. It's hard. 
It's hard to see people go through that and to struggle with that and wrestle with that. You know, I believe that the most important thing that people can do when they come to faith is get connected to the body of believers. We, we are not designed to live our lives by ourselves. And if you don't have a community of faith, if you don't have people that are willing to speak truth into your life and are willing to walk with you through difficult situations, you are going to face a struggle, you're going to face a temptation, you're going to face a hardship, and you're going to walk away. That's why we need to be connected. That's why we need, that's why we push things like small groups and alpha and stuff like that so hard because we need people to walk with us. And if we're trying to do it on our own, we're going to struggle. When those hardships come, those shallow roots are going to easily pull away. So if you think you're going to be fine on your own, can I tell you something? You're just being stubborn. Okay? Stop it. Stop being stubborn. <laughs> Listen to your pastor for once in your life. Okay? Get connected to some people that care about you because we're not supposed to do this alone. All right. Third group. The thorns. This is the crowded heart. This is a hard one too. And this, this is going to hit home for some of you this morning. I'm telling you the church in America is filled. Is filled with people with the crowded heart. Here's what happens. The plant is established. It begins to grow roots. It grows up. But it's surrounded by thorns, by weeds by things that are draining nutrients from this plant. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't know, that sounds fine. It's not like the actual plant dies, right? But like, it, it seems like a lot less effort to just like be in church and then just still have all this other stuff in my life and really not you know, require God to change anything about my life. I'm going to just continue to live the way that I used to live and still have this little part of my life be the church as well or be, be the, the, my faith in Christ. You're like, that, that doesn't sound terrible. But it's not that the plant dies. It's that it doesn't produce any fruit. It's like a stock of grain that doesn't have any seeds when it's time for harvest. And if you're thinking that's okay, I want to just uh, show you what Matthew 7.19 says. I'm going to put it on the screen, but it tells us that every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Can I tell you something? You can fool people, but you cannot fool God. Yeah. Right? So everyone in here might think, oh, you've got it all together. Your life is good. Your faith is strong. You're showing all the signs of a healthy believer, but God sees your heart. And so if you're holding back part of your life from him and you're living one foot in, one foot out, it's going to catch up with you. Can I tell you something? There are going to be tithers, small group leaders, prayer ministry leaders, church staff, and even pastors who don't make it into heaven because they're living a fruitless life. They're living for themselves and pretending like their life is for Christ. God sees your heart. This year at our worship night, at the end of our week of prayer and fasting, God gave me a word about our spiritual diet. One of the things that God spoke to me about our church is that we need to start eliminating some of the junk food that we eat as Christians. You know, last night for dinner, I made uh, chicken parmesan. It was good. I, I, I'm telling you, it was really good. 
It turned out good. It looked good. Fresh mozzarella on top. I made the sauce from scratch. I mean, it, it was a really good meal. And uh, we ate dinner late because it took me longer <laughs> than I thought it was going to take. And so we sit down about 7.30 with my kids, and like, they're like, they barely touch it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like I, I understand like some of the stuff that I make like, like you don't like, but this is like fried chicken and cheese, okay? <laughs> like this is really, really good food. And I'm like, what's up, guys? Do you, you don't like this? And uh, Kayla, my oldest, she's like, no, it, actually, it's really good, Dad, but I just I can't eat anything more. See, they had just watched a movie and made popcorn. And I'm not talking, like, three kids, and they made, like, three things of popcorn. I mean, just massive amounts of popcorn and butter and salt. And, and they had filled themselves up with junk food. And so they came to the table, and even though the food tasted really good, they didn't have any appetite for it. We do that, right? We fill our lives with so much stuff that we don't even have an appetite for the things of God. It can taste really good. Like we can be excited about what we hear on Sunday, but it, we don't have any space to apply it in our lives because our lives are filled with so many other things. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at like our culture right now and the obsession with all these different things, whether it's politics or sports or hobbies or, I mean, whatever it is that you can find time to invest in. I mean, maybe it's something that's really good, like, like working out and you're just obsessed with that, right? Anything that takes the place of the things that God wants to pour into your life is an unhealthy thing. Even if it's by, by itself is neutral or even maybe even good, if it's taking the place of what God wants to pour into your life, you're missing out on something that can be beneficial. I mean, popcorn is good, right? Like, we like pop. I love popcorn. But if it's replacing something that's going to do something for you nutritionally, then it becomes unhealthy. And we consume so many things in an unhealthy way. There's, they're meant to be snacks between meals, not to be a replacement for something that will give you sustenance, that will give you hope. And the last one is the fruitful life, the fruitful heart. This is the seed that lands on good soil. And I love that Jesus talks about it in this way. He says, the seed will produce fruit 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what the initial seed started with. It's just a question we need to keep asking ourselves. I, I know I've said this before. In fact, I probably said the same thing last year when I preached the same message, right? Uh, like, we need to be producing fruit, and we need to be examining our hearts to see, are we producing fruit? Are we having an influence in the world around us? Is the fruit of the Spirit part of our lives? Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Are those things that come out of you? Or when you're squeezed, do you see envy, anger, jealousy, hatred? You know, what's coming out of your heart? 
Are you impacting people with the gospel message? Are there, are there people in your life that are closer to Christ because you're, you're in their life? Jesus doesn't give us an option to be a fruitless plant. Right? That's the, that's the plant that gets cut down and thrown into the fire. If your life isn't producing anything, then it's time to start finding some fertilizer. Right? It's time to start finding something to put in your life so that you can grow spiritually. It's time to start eliminating the junk food. It's time to start pulling up those weeds in your life and focusing on the thing that will feed your soul, that will bring you closer to Christ. You know, um, this is something that I have struggled with my entire life. At specifically, the the third type of soil, like the ones that get choked out by the world. Um, I, I tend to have a little bit of an obsessive personality. And so when I jump into something, I just, I get so focused on that. And, and it just, it sucks me away from the things that God wants to do in my life. And I think if we're honest here, we could all say there are things in our life that we give more attention to at times than the things of God. So I'm going to ask that as, as we close today, we just listen to the Holy Spirit. And we just hear his voice. We say, God, show me those things in my life. Or maybe it's you're in that, in that second seat. I hope you're not in the first, first group, the, the hard heart. Maybe you're there too. And God's working on you and chipping away. But if you're in that second group and you're struggling with, with uh, just kind of a lack of establishment, a lack of roots. And you need to find some people to come alongside you. If you're in that third group and you're struggling with other things in your life that need to be kind of pushed to the side so that you can invest in your spiritual health, let's listen to the Holy Spirit right now. I'm going to pray, and I'd ask that you just listen to his voice as we speak. Allow him to show you what needs to change in your heart. Maybe you heard you're here today and... and you want to start this journey with the Lord and you want to say, hey, God, I'm ready to take that step of faith. I'm ready to surrender my heart to you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that as well this morning. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that you care about us. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is involved and invested in our lives. And Lord, we humble ourselves right now in this place. Say, God, speak to us. Speak to us. Show us the things in our lives that have taken the place of what you want to do in us. Help us to have the humility to surrender this to you. Lord, for those of us who are struggling with a lack of connection and community, right, our faith is, is on the surface level, but it we haven't allowed the truth of your word to penetrate deep in our heart. There's areas of our lives we're holding back. Lord, help us to find community and mentorship. Help us to find encouragement and accountability. Help us to be humble enough to ask for help in those areas of our life. Lord, for the hard-hearted this morning, if there's anybody here that's struggling 
with the idea of believing or wrestling with doubts. Lord, I pray that, that you would crack their heart in this moment, that they would see a glimpse of the truth of your word. And Lord, that seed would be planted where it can grow. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, the Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That when we trust in him, we ask him to be our savior and our Lord. We lay down our life and surrender to him that he comes in and changes us and makes us a new creation. That he takes the dead part of us and regenerates it to life. So I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer this morning. And I'm going to ask that we would all pray it together today as, as one church. And um, if you're praying this for the first time, I encourage you to find somebody, whether it's me or, or one of our um, staff members or maybe just somebody that you know and trust that's a believer. Go and tell them about, about the fact that you prayed this prayer for the first time today. Can we stand together and pray this together? I said, Jesus, repeat after me. Lord, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Today, I give you my life. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need your help. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Make me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I give you my life this day and every day going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a great day. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, tell somebody about it. Have a great day. We love you.